believing, achieving, goal setting, and goal getting. And what happens when none of it happens? Let's talk about that with our special guest today, Tracy Hines. Today we have Tracy Hines in the studio and I'm so excited to talk to her not only about what she has done in her work, in her creative work, but how she has managed to bring some positive attention to herself by getting the press that she was dreaming of getting. And so we're going to get behind the scenes on that and find some ways that we can put our goals into action. So Tracy, could you give us a little bit of background about yourself and what you do? I'm a hairdresser and a makeup artist, as well as I paint and I draw, but I make my living from my hair and makeup. And I've always dreamed of having my work in magazines. I, ever since I was little, looking through my mother's fashion magazines, and that's how I taught myself how to draw faces and stuff, was through fashion magazines. So I visioned someday that I would have my work in it. So back in 2010, I contacted uh, New Hampshire Magazine Bride, and I contacted the editor through her email directly, and I asked, are you ever looking for makeup artists? I would love to work for you. And behold, she got back to me. And so she said, I have this shoot at the Mount Washington Hotel, and it's like, a dream come true because this place is just gorgeous. She goes, I'm going to have three models, nine looks. Can you do it? And through Stammer, I'm like, "Um, yes. It's one of those fake it till you make it moments. Like, okay, I got this. And uh, it wasn't paid. That's It was going to be like they paid for me to stay at the hotel across the street. So what it was is I was going to be working with professional photographers and it would add to my portfolio. So that's how I started and uh, went to the shoot. I met the photographer, met the editor. They loved my work. It was great. It took about almost a year before it was actually printed. So then after that came out, I did a couple more photo shoots for them another one at the hotel and then another one was just from a bunch of photo shoots that I had done with other photographers because once I had that first initial like hey I'd like to work with you and and then I could say to other editors and other photographers I've had my work published I've you know worked with the editor of this magazine it gives you a little bit more credibility it's really getting your foot in the door Right. Awesome. I mean, that's the paid, getting paid isn't always the be all end all of it because you need visibility and the credibility. And then um, how many connections and people did you meet along the way that maybe became someone you worked with again or or was it pretty much like isolated incidents? Um, it got me like the second job to do at the hotel again, but it didn't, I didn't do any more work for them. Like I got to work with other photographers because they knew of the main um, photographer that I was working with, which was um, Phil Philbricks, Philbricks Photography. He's known like for, he puts brides on cliffs up at Cathedral Ledge. And so he's known for his like grand, you know, really cool photos. So when people know that you're working with a photographer, it's kind of easier than to pick up to work with other photographers. Oh, okay. 
So that was 2010. And that was your first leap as far as saying like, hey, I want to be in a magazine. And that's what kind of what got the ball rolling. Yes. So then for the next few years, I worked with New Hampshire Magazine Bride um, two more times after that. And then I also started working. I did one issue for Seacoast Bride. They're just a yearly, they only come out once a year, and I was asked to be part of a photo shoot that um, each gown had its own budget. So I had like the $40,000 wedding. So my bride that I did had like a $7,000 gown, and so I did that, and that got published. Then it kind of was quiet for a few years, and that's when I decided like last winter I didn't have any new work. And in my industry, you really have to have updated work. Like every year or two, you need to be putting new pictures in your portfolio. So last winter, that's when I decided, like, I contacted more photographers and ones that I liked and decided that I really liked this one and her work kind of went with mine. So I contacted her and she got right back to me and I said, so she goes, what are you thinking about? And I said, well, I'm really kind of thinking something monochromatic. And at the same time, at night, I've been sitting on my couch hand sewing these headpieces and I sent a picture of her after I finished it. And she's like, oh my God, that's so amazing. And I had tea dyed basically uh, coffee filters and then sewed them into flowers and I was sewing beads on them and I sewed them with cheesecloth, and I know it sounds really crazy, but it was so pretty. So she's like, okay, I wanna get a wedding dress. So I told her how to tea stain, how to tea dye a a wedding dress. And so it was kind of funny, we went back and forth, and I said, all right, I'm gonna make these accessories. I'll bring some of my jewelry and clothes that I had that were like kind of monochromatic and went with the headpiece. So they're just, we did. We had like a great day. Probably spent about, I was there three or four hours and the pictures were just amazing. And when I got to the photo shoot, she had just done um, work for a florist that morning. She says, okay, I have all these beautiful pink flowers. They were gorgeous, gigantic pink roses. She goes, what can you do with them? And I just literally said, do you have duct tape and scissors? And (laughs) I just went to town, cutting the stems, and I made a headpiece with the pink roses. And so I'm over here smiling and and shaking my head because it's a podcast. And so nobody can see (laughs) what we're we're, we're talking about. But obviously, um, you can link. We're going to provide links because you have to, at least at some point, see what these end results are. Um, And what, what Tracy just described for the monochromatic shoot, you can see a little bit of that. In the uh, fall, the autumn issue, the 2018 autumn issue of Where Women Create Work. It's a Joe Packham magazine. Um, And we'll also have links where you can see these images online. But these are high fashion photography images. And so when I sit here hearing uh, coffee filters and cheesecloth and duct tape, and (laughs) I love what we're conjuring up here for imagery. And when you look at these photographs, it just looks like something out of vogue. I mean, they're so polished. They're so gorgeous. And what surprised me, I didn't know, because I'm not in, in the hair and makeup industry, is that you have that pressure to keep updating the looks that you have in your book all the time. Especially, um, I know that a lot of your uh, clients are 
or I don't know if they currently are brides, but for a long time, you were doing a lot of wedding work, right? Right. But um, the last few, I did it earlier in my career. And raising my son, I it's hard because you're you're working every weekend. So I just decided for me not to do weddings for a while anymore. But I was doing all these bride <laughs> magazines. Um, so then now my son is all grown. So now I'm venturing back into doing um, a few bridal. I don't want to do a ton. Like I have hair friends that they'll do like, 40 weddings a year, you know, and I personally myself just want to do like maybe one a month or Mm -hmm. so much, but right. So let's talk about getting back to goal setting because I've, I've had conversations with Tracy just, you know, in over time, we've known each other for a while and she always, I think much like me, we feel like we have 20 different things we, we want to do. And then I don't know about you, but I get pretty hard on myself when 19 of them didn't happen. But we, I think we need to focus on like, hey, I got that one thing done and that was pretty good. That was a, you know, we kind of overachieve. But you set out to do these things and you had a focus. And so what's your process in, in actually getting all the way there, not just 60 or 70% there? I am a list person. So I've tried breaking down my goals into even smaller lists to say, okay, this is what I need to do. And then at the end of the week, I'll go back and I'm like, okay, did I get that done? And then like, all right, so this is the next thing. And I tend to work better under pressure. (laughs) So for me, I tend to wait till things are like closer to the end. (laughs) Amen. I it's not that I'm a procrastinator I just I work better under like okay this is happening and even up until doing those photo shoots like the night before I was still like trying to perfect the head piece you know like I mentally go through my head that this is what we have to do so I'm not only writing it down but then I'm going through my head like okay this is how it's gonna look this is what we gotta do and then just writing it down for me just kind of cements it. And I feel for me that if I didn't do all that, like I wouldn't be attaining my goals. I have to really focus in on what I'm going for. And I think the calendar is like our best friend because yes. otherwise we'll just kind of like be like, yeah, you know, this is a good idea. And this is a good idea. Oh, and here's another page of great ideas. <laughs> and then you look at the calendar and you go, okay, let's just focus on this one because it's due tomorrow. Exactly. That's why even like I looked, I was looking at my goals. The newest thing that I've started to do now is instead of like you said, beating myself up because I didn't obtain all them, I've started to write down, okay, what worked today? What didn't work today? Or or I'll even then go through the week and say, instead of saying what didn't work, I'll say, how did I do it? What what worked for me? So that I'm trying to be um, more positive about obtaining it because I really think if you put the negativity in it it's you're putting that energy out there and you're not going to achieve it yeah absolutely I'm looking Tracy has a stack here that um notebooks and journals and and lists and I'm I she's she's laughing I can't laugh because you look over there at my desk right I have like three ring binders and planners (laughs) and journals and and I had a, a similar conversation with a friend of mine who's a writer and she does a ton of journaling and 
I said, you know, every now and then I just get so sick of myself. I, I look back at these things and I'm like, oh my God, is this like a journal of a mad person or what? But honestly, I think it keeps me in check because if you look back over the last month or the six months or if, I don't know, six years, I've got a, I got a library of stuff. Sometimes you go, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking there. That was a little crazy. And sometimes you can find like a pattern and go, you know what? That's something that has been rattling in the back of my mind for like a long time. Maybe maybe I need to really give that some some spotlight because, geez, five years ago I was thinking of it. Two years ago I was thinking of it. Right. I, and, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, right? So, yeah, calendar, I think, makes makes us take action. But I think there's a value to keeping all this stuff that where we can look back and see where we made some progress and where maybe we still want to. Oh, totally. Because I was like, when you were saying that going through journals, I just recently went through some old journals because I kind of I do like a yearly goal and then I do like a monthly goal and then I have my little white book that I carry around and this is like my daily stuff that I need to do and I was thinking I started you know it was around New Year's Eve when everybody's making their that's when I time to I don't make resolutions I just make goals that I want to get to so this year I started to write out my artist goal and I found my artist goals from 2012 (laughs) And they were almost exactly the same. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm still, you know, still plugging away. And, um, you know, some of the things were I did on them, but most of them, you know, I was looking through like art licensing. You know, I said I wanted to contact 35 agencies and I'm like, oh, I did that, you know, or now I want to contact a magazine to get my work published. I did that. So it, again, it's just looking at the positive, like what I didn't achieve. But yeah, for me, I have to have my yearly goals, my monthly, and then my little white book that I carry with me. That <laughs> yeah. the little there's a fourth book. I thought she only had three, but now I see the little white book. <laughs> and it's pretty thick too. Like that's <laughs> so that's day to day. This is my day to day stuff. Nice and. So see, I have like my long-term goals at the beginning, and then I have some crazy goals at the back. That is awesome, though. So I... I love crazy goals, you know? You shoot for the moon, right? You know, and, and again, my goals are all about, I try to encompass like my health, my work, my family. I just don't try to make it all about my art and my work. Mm-hmm. I really, for me to to be well-rounded and to be happy in my life, I need to make sure that I'm also accomplished in those goals in my family life and with my health and always trying to balance things out. And sometimes it's maddening. It really can be super stressful, but at the same time, I've gotten really sick in the past because mm-hmm. I didn't take care of the, the health part of it, you know, or even like the mental just learning to go out and go for a walk or do something that's non-job, non-art related. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because we don't, especially you work for yourself, I work for myself, we don't have the boundaries really. We just, Maybe we walked from one room to another in our house, but it doesn't mean that all the work stuff didn't come with us. And um, for you, I think maybe because... I'm looking at all these journals and I'm thinking of mine too. Do we do this a lot because we aren't sitting in meetings all day 
talking with other people, we really are talking to ourselves a lot of the time, trying to bounce the ideas off of ourselves. Like, will this stick? Will this work? Will it fly? Is it a good idea, a bad idea? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, my dog, I have a new puppy, and my puppy hears me talk a lot now because (laughs) you are. I mean, you're, if you didn't have somebody to talk to or you don't have that outlet to write it down, I mean, I think you would go crazy or, or all that good stuff would get lost. I know for me, if I don't write it down, it's gone. Especially because there is so much going on in my brain. Like, I want to paint this. I want to draw this. Oh, I want to take this picture. I want to make this. You know, like, oh, this would be a really cool headpiece. Like, you just reminded me of, like, of all the questions I want to ask you of all people. (laughs) Because, so Tracy said in the beginning, she makes her money from hair and makeup artistry. But she obviously does, um, she does art and painting and drawing. And I happen to know that I guess maybe we could say as a hobby, you're very into gardening and herbs and, and being being outdoors and, and growing all kinds of things that you sometimes work into your artwork or into your hair and makeup and fashion. As as creatives, I always find it funny when someone's like, so what's, what do you do for a hobby? And you're like... Oh, that's all really blurry. Like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of some, sometimes everything I do is a hobby because I didn't get paid enough. (laughs) Like other times it's like, well, I I don't really do anything that's not creative. And I can't think of anything for you that would be outside of anything creative. We kind of joke in my family that I have way too many hobbies because I'm always picking up something, but it always relates back to something creative, something like, you know. I will. I'll be in my garden. I'll be like, oh, that's a beautiful flower. That would look really good in a pastel or a pencil. So like then I'll go get my camera and take a picture of it or I'll cut the flowers and bring them in and then paint them. And then again, like, oh, that would make a really cool headpiece. You know, it's just. <laughs> or I've seen her turn it into a needlepoint pattern and then stitch it. <laughs> and like, where does this stop, woman? <laughs> you just like. <laughs> and, and I think for me, that's when I, that's why I had to take in the learning how to really balance things out because yeah. I was really burning myself out because I could, I, I could be up all night. Like I forced myself to go to bed and now I've started meditating to kind of shut my brain down because I could definitely, like you said, I look at things in the garden. I took a seed packet. I drew out some really cool pencil, colored it, and then I turned it into an embroidery stitch. And I got it on um, Highland Moen um, seed packets out of uh, Vermont. I took it from their catalog from my seed packets and they posted it on their Instagram because I was like, this is my creative process. (laughs) That is awesome. Tell me a little bit, um, back to the magazines, because being in a publication, such as the one uh, where women create work. I mean, this is the kind of magazine you go into national retailers like Barnes & Noble and you buy. And so what was it like contacting them and getting, you know, getting a little piece of this pie and getting into there? I was so excited. I was so nervous. But again, it was on my goal for that year. And I had worked with the stylist um, set director, Chloe. I hope I don't get her name wrong. Barcelona. She is a She's 29 now, and she was on the last cover of Where Women Work. And she was in one of her costumes that she designed in her set. I was like, you know what? 
I want to do that too. I want to be there. I've worked with her. I liked her energy and I'm like, I can do this too. So it just happened to be that the company, Joe Pacman was switching her um, editors, uh, the publishers over. So she was actually gone out on her own. And um, so I went on her website. I contacted her. It says, if you haven't heard back from me in three weeks, send me another email that says, resubmitting and so that's what I did I hadn't heard back from her in three weeks I sent her another email and I sent her the picture with the flowers in the hair with the big red roses so it was like a very impactful picture that's what they're looking for something that people are gonna be like wow that's awesome so that was the image that I sent in the email and she immediately got back to me after that one said I love the image with the girl with the flowers and she goes, we have a new magazine coming out. It's going to be Where's Women Create? She goes, but I would have to have all your stuff in a week. And I panicked. I was like, she goes, but you can be in one of these other publications. And I said, I really want to be in the Where Women Create work because that's the one that I buy the most um, because of all the business. And I just love all these women entrepreneurs and how they're doing their business. So I sent back and I said, could I be in that one? And she said, yes, that's fine. She goes, but that's not going to go to publication until originally it was going to be August. I'm like, okay. So she said, do you want to write it or do you want one of our, and I'm like, well, I love to write too. <laughs> oh, so <of> course. <laughs> I was like, I want to write my own article. I said, yes, I've been writing in my head for years what I would say. And then she said, okay, it's going to be about eight pages. So I told her I had another photo shoot coming up with this same photographer. And she said, great. And I told her the concept was like peacock feathers and blue. It was going to be totally opposite of the monochromatic. It was going to be like a darker color. And she just said, sounds wonderful. She goes, just send me the pictures when you're done. So I did. I got stitching again and made some headpieces and more outfits and kind of um, found some dresses and contacted the photographer who was uh, Mercy Street, Erin Moore out of Maine. She was awesome. And um, she made my work look beautiful. Oh, I mean, she really funny. did. So I, and I had told her, I said this, you know, we have a chance to be in a magazine. So she got me her pictures right away and sent them all off. They said, we love it. And then I just waited and waited and like, okay, I'm not hearing from anybody. And, and then that's when she had sent me a thing saying, yeah, we're not going to go out in August now. We're going to go out in fall. So I had started the original process was back in February after the first photo shoot. So it's kind of a long wait for the magazine industry when you're in it. And I just kind of was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to be in. It's the epitome of hurry up and wait because right. they need certain things in a week. And then you kind of sit back and you wait for the actual results. But but you spearheaded the initiative and you, you went out there, submitted something, got in touch with the magazine and then had to turn around and uh, choose your collaborators and get them on board. And again, like you said, this is not something that a magazine pays you to do. So each of you have your own contributions that whatever your materials or your costs are, that's an investment into your your business, your portfolio piece, right? Right. So everything that I've ever done is, is been 
you know, my costs, like when I go to a photo shoot, you have to think of it as an investment in yourself and what it could get you down the line, not like, oh, I'm throwing out all this money. Absolutely. And I mean, you're a regional or, you know, a local business. So even if, even if this magazine is out throughout the country, it's very unlikely that you're going to get someone in, you know, Arizona that says, hey, we need you here, although it could happen. But then the people that you do have locally and regionally look at you and say, wow, she has this like national stature. So that can help you command a higher price for what you offer, right? (laughs) And this is a question. This is what you hope. Um, This is what you would hope. And where we live, that's not so much. uh, It's hard to get that like price because I had a couple of people and I said, well, this is my price for hair. And it's really not outrageous. It's mostly like what they're getting in the Boston area for for hair and makeup. But they're like, oh, I didn't know it was that expensive. And that's the down, like the letdown is feeling I've done all this work. I've paid my dues. You know, I'm putting myself out there. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear. And just to clarify, uh, Tracy and I live outside of Boston by about, say, 45 minutes. So we're in kind of a suburban area in southern New Hampshire. And I think, like, it's so important to look at that, look at demographics of what a market's going to support for whatever you're offering. Um, I found that with, I used to, well, not used to, but I still do some work with uh, weddings and wedding products. And the first couple of years, what I learned was there are just areas of the country that the the, the way you price things works with some areas, uh, you know, versus what you're going to sell, um, let's say, around the, the U shape of the, the whole country. So like up and down the West Coast, up and down the East Coast, Texas, you know, everything's big in Texas. So they'll pay like, you know, for parties and events, they'll kind of go that extra mile. But if you're trying to sell someone in Nebraska, <laughs> it's just a completely different, you know, target demographic. Um, and that's especially it's a, like on a micro level with hair and makeup, because how far does someone want to travel when you're talking about venues and services? And that's that's just like a really fine line where we live. Right. And that's what I've learned over the years is if I really want to do like the editorial work that I've always loved, I either need to go right into Boston and be available, like living near there, or New York, you know, or mm-hmm. LA. A lot of the makeup artists that I too follow, they they go back and forth now between Boston, New York, and LA. And I'm too much of a country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the country mouse. I, I just don't see. So I, that's why I need to find just my little niche around me and... Mm-hmm. That I don't have to be, a, as they say it, a big fish in a big pond. I'm just very happy being, you know, successful where I am and being happy with that. And happy and healthy and striking a family balance and all of those things. I mean, we, you have to, you can be that big career New York City person, but it's going to be at a, a cost of a lot of other things that we value. Right. And in my younger years, I thought I wanted that. And my hat's off, I follow artists that are in New York and and even hair and makeup artists. And I'm like, great for them. I wished I had done that. I went to New York City once and I was terrified. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, this is not for me. And 
I, you know, I kind of let go of that dream. But, you know, in the beginning, that was my dream is like to go to New York or Boston. And I found that wasn't for me. But I think it's awesome that I see young women now are out there killing it, you know, and I wish that I had that little bit of but I've learned to be happy where I'm where I where I'm planted. Yeah, I like to say <laughs> bloom where you're planted. Exactly. <laughs> So let's let's sort of circle back when we're talking about goals and how we set our goals and how it's not just goals it's we're setting expectations upon ourselves and that can be a really healthy thing because it makes us move forward but it can also be really detrimental as you said you got really ill at one point because you were just burning the candle at every possible end um and so you've you've learned some lessons it sounds like on how to set some goals and still be a little bit gentle and forgiving with yourself. So what what are your best tips for balancing that? Um, like I was just saying at the beginning of the year or start whenever is just making goals, but in all aspects of your life. Where do you want your health to be? Where do you want like your fun time to be? Because that is so important, I think, in this that if anything, that would be like, okay, what am I going to do for fun where you're not working, looking at work all the time um, and then just check back in with yourself every week or two and look up and say okay what has been working you know go through that list first what was successful this week um, what have I done today to reach my goals I write these things down but I don't write them down every day and there might be a week or two that I go by. I don't beat myself up anymore for things like that. But check in with yourself, you know, every once in a while and say, okay, what is working? Where am I? And, um, you know, feel free to like, okay, the goal's not working. Wipe it off. Don't feel bad about it. Just, you know, move on. Or if there's something else you want to add to it, add it to your, you know, goals or even just, this is how I want my week to look. Just don't beat yourself up about like, and and really for your health sake, because in the creative field, you need that out. You need like a fun outlet. You need something other than thinking, especially when you're self-employed. You have to really have something else to go to. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and maybe someone else to talk to occasionally, too. And just sometimes when you hear it come out of your mouth and, it, you know, it kind of gets reflected back, you go, you you know, you either think, wow, that's actually, yeah, I did get a lot done last month or, yeah, a lot of things have changed or, you know, wow, she's <laughs> they're rolling their eyes at me. Maybe this is just a terrible idea. <laughs> Feedback is good. Because I hear that from like, I'll, I'll think that, oh my God, I didn't get anything done this week or I didn't. I'll be talking to like my cousin or a friend or something and they're like looking at me like, you did all that? It kind of then makes me feel like, okay, so, you know, everybody's expectations of themselves are different and, you know, so you just have to focus on what you really want and learning to, you know, and if learning to delegate too, that's the other thing is, have your family pitch in. I mean, I mean, I know for me, I'm like, I always want to cook the food and have the house. But I'm like to my husband or my son now, I'm like, hey, I got to get this done. Do you mind picking up the vacuum cleaner or, you know, and when my kid's son was little or my husband, I never would ask. But now that I'm older and after and for me, it was again after being sick 
that my family realized, yeah, I can't do it all and I've learned to delegate. Right. I mean, that's learning the hard way, but that's it's a serious thing. I think we try to try to do it all for some reason as some kind of control freak thing. But yeah, I'm I'm also I think when you tie in the motherhood thing, we go through this. Uh, oh, it's just faster if I just do it. It's just faster yeah. and easier and it'll get done right. Yeah. But you have to take those steps to release and say, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to walk them through how this is done. And then they will know and they will know for themselves how to do it. Right. And I, I think for me and my part of my life now, I'm excited because I have raised my family um, because I don't know about you, but you're on Instagram and you're looking at everybody's posts. And I'm like, how do they get that done? And, and then half the time I'm like, oh, they don't have kids. <laughs> That's like the background soundtrack of my life. And, you know, it. Uh, but one thing that also is that really you said don't beat yourself up. Like if you maybe you made a list and you didn't check in for five days or something. If you look at that snapshot over five days, 10 days, whatever it is, as long as you're checking in at some point, it's I, I've made lists for what my kids should be doing. And I certainly don't. I, I'm no drill sergeant. And I also think. I've said things to myself in my head that are a lot meaner to me than I would ever say to, to children or to friends or, you know, and you shouldn't do that. That's one of the most damaging things you can do. Oh, totally. I, my number one pet peeve is I hate when women call themselves stupid or dumb or, you know, I didn't get it or stop beating yourself up. I mean, really, as soon as that word pops into your head, think of something the opposite. Think of something positive to... Really, just, I think that's my, I hate for people to say, oh, I'm stupid or dumb or, oh, you idiot. I, I hate that. I just, I so dislike that. I think, and as women, we do that a lot. And my, and I, you know, in my head, sometimes I'll be like, why did you do that? Or, you know, but before it comes out of my mouth, I'll try to think the opposite of what that is. I think that's huge. That's really important because that kind of negative energy, we can spiral, especially working yeah. independently. You just That just goes down a terrible direction and it's just no good. I, I'm a total believer. Like the energy that you put out there is the energy that you get back. And if you find yourself in a bad place, then try to start writing down some positive words and positive things about yourself or what's going right in your life. Try to not like, okay, this isn't working, this isn't working. Start like, okay, this is working. And you said a couple minutes ago something about, look, if you didn't get to it, wipe it off your list. Right. Sometimes we really do need to look at something and say, oh my God, it's carried over for like four months. Well, okay, why? Like, is there really an underlying reason why it's just not a priority? Exactly. It's it's like, it's not meant to be there right now and and there's something else creative that could take that spot. You know, it's, it's, if, if you're not, if you're so like, okay, I got to get this done. This is how it has to work. Then you might be putting off something wonderful that could be coming into that spot to take up that energy and, you know, to give you that uplift that you need. So yeah, if, if something keeps showing up and you're not getting it done or it's not working, say goodbye i mean yeah, let it go let it go and just open up that for better energy and something better to come in and this is the part where we now launch into singing let it go from frozen right <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> but speaking of music I, that's one thing that i do when i when i do want to like pardon the pun but let go and i 
you know, if, if I sit on Instagram and look at things that are going to get me inspired and all like riled up to go in 20 different directions, that's just not good for me. But if, if I just listen to music, I can actually relax because I don't sing, I don't play. All I can do is just enjoy the music. Do you have anything that lets you actually stop and relax? Because I know if you sit on the couch, you're still stitching or you're like crocheting or knitting or painting. <laughs> well, ever so shut fun- down. It's so funny about the music though, because I do started picking up my guitar again. Oh my god, <laughs> she plays guitar, folks. <laughs> I do. I played all through high school in high school band and. Um, I did not know. Yes. My son, when he was at the charter school, they played violin. You had to pick it up when you were in third grade. So I started to teach myself his violin. And again, motherhood, since motherhood and I've been busy, I've put it down. So at night, sometimes when my husband and my son go to bed, that's I pick up my acoustic guitar and try to concentrate on it. And when you're reading music, if you play music, you really have to, like, you can't think about anything else. Okay. You just have to, like, okay, the notes, and then you just let the music kind of, like, take you away. I mean, we have a we have a record player, and I have, like, all my 80s records, like oh Duran Duran. And for me, <laughs> that's how, you know, I'll put those on. You know, I have a huge cassette because... Yeah, so for me, the music thing is huge. So it, it does actually quiet your mind because you can't be thinking of 10 different things if you're trying to play a song. You right. have to stay pretty linear. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And now I know something more about you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today and sharing these insights. And hopefully what people can take away from this is to what not beat ourselves up, still have goals, and... What else? Anything else? Is finding some fun within the the chaos, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you again, Tracy Hines. And thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. I am your host, Michelle Baker, and this has been a Hat Chat.